Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. And I'm Peter Ill, sitting in for Andy Bates. This yeah, this, week. this is fun. Today. Just today. Just today. You're, I mean, you can come back, but I, I have other people come take the rest of the week. That might be way too much fun. So. <laughs> that would be, whew, that that might go over the bar of okay. too much fun okay. in the studio. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about uh, pastoral care, pastoral counseling, what somebody can expect uh, from from a session, how to even ask. Uh, with us in studio, we still have Dr. Rick Mars from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And it's, it's really great to have you in studio with us. Thank you very much. This is, this is a lot of... Really good information. So we're talking about um, what somebody can expect, uh, when they would need to talk to their pastor. Um, so if I have something that I want to talk to my pastor about, I think, um, how do I even ask? And and what if I'm like afraid he's going to think I'm like being a weirdo or something or, right. or nervous about asking him? How, how do I even approach that conversation with my pastor? I think you just simply ask, Pastor, I've got some spiritual questions. Could I come talk to you sometime? And just go and lay out whatever those questions are, whether they are sp- directly spiritual or sort of uh, sideways spiritual because they're more family oriented or, you know, what do I do with my kids? What do I do with my husband? You know, all those so- sorts of things. Um, go and talk because pastors are supposed to be there. They're not just preachers. They're not just Bible study teachers. In fact, I, one of the things that I tell students, I don't know if you'll remember this one, I actually have a phobia. I call it cacopoimene melephobia. <laughs> That's the fear. I hope there's Greek involved. <laughs> yes, there's Greek involved in that. If you go and look all those Greek words okay. up, um, it's the fear of bad pastoral care. But <gasps> I, I have this fear that I'm going to be retired and, you know, well, I'm going to be 85, 90 years old in some sort of Lutheran retirement community, and the lay people that I'm sitting around are going to go, you know, our new generation of pastors are really good preachers and teachers, and, and uh, they seem to be good at administrating and all these other leadership things. But they just don't seem to listen as well to the people now as they did a generation ago. Who taught them how to listen at the seminary? You know, oh, Dr. Hartung did that. Dr. Rachenbach did yeah, I'm going to blame my colleagues over the last 10 years. Um, yeah, I have a real fear that some pastors don't think that it's important to listen to their people. But again, the vast majority of pastors, I think, especially Lutheran Church Missouri Synod pastors, do believe that it's important to make hospital calls. It's important to make shut-in visits. It's important to meet people in their homes and to interact with them in a one-on-one or two-on-one sort of situations to get to know what they're... In fact, Luther would even say that as well. The, the Reformation was not about a political debate or a religious debate, per se. It was because Luther was frustrated that pastoral care was not being given to the people because they were buying these indulgences, thinking that that, how some, that somehow uh, forgave their sins, and Luther was wanting them to come to confession and to confess their sins and to hear absolution from individual pastors, which we haven't even talked very much about. That's another extremely important part of Mm -hmm. pastoral care that many Lutherans think is Catholic, and so they don't actually go to seek, like you said, you go to your own pastor once a month. Uh, I think all people should go to their pastor, if not once a month, at least three or four times a year and seek out that sort of one-on-one checkup that you just talked about in the earlier segment, Peter. Yeah, it's extremely important, and pastors want to do that, but they don't 
know if their people want them to do that until the people actually ask. Mm -hmm. so. And sometimes I think there's a fear that people have that pastor's really busy. He's doing all that administrating and the right. Bible study mm -hmm. planning and he's getting his sermon ready and he's he's going to meetings and he's really, Dealing really with his busy. Kids. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I don't want to burden pastor with, mm -hmm. especially if I can't say what's going wrong. And anytime you talk about something serious, it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. um, how how can a pastor or how can a, a Christian be encouraged to talk to their pastor when something just feels maybe not quite right or when there is a question? Yeah. Well, again, go and talk to him at least once. Your pastor might not might not end up talking to you once a week for 10 or 12 or 50 weeks like a professional counselor would. Mm -hmm. But your pastor should want, if you've got a serious spiritual concern, a serious family concern, a serious emotional concern, your pastor should want to talk to you, you know, once a month, once every two months, something about that. And should, even after he refers you perhaps to a professional Christian counselor, um, he will still want to check in and make sure that that counseling is going as well because he in a sense he's delegating his soul care of you out to somebody else but mm -hmm. he still has a responsibility to know that that soul care is going rather well sure. i know i know i try to check in about once every uh, when i know that a christian is experiencing counseling mm -hmm. out in the world uh, i then will uh, about every three sessions they have, yeah. I'll just I'll just That's follow up with good. a real short, hey, how's it going? Uh, is is this counselor helpful? If they're helpful, let me know. I'd like to talk to them and put them on my referral list. Right. If they're not helpful, then let me know that too. Exactly. Uh, that way, I can always make sure that all the Christians in my care receive really good help. I'm so happy that Peter listened so well in my class <laughs> seven, eight, nine years ago. So, <laughs> gold stars, gold, gold stars star. and cookies. <laughs> So, so when somebody has has talked to their pastor that that they that they would like to have counseling or care, what can what what can that person expect from a session? Uh, from the session with the pastor, yeah, mm -hmm. um, probably prayer. I mean, obviously, we I think pastors will pray with them more than professional counselors would mm -hmm. uh, to to realize that God is in the room with them, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to address whatever guilt issue, shame issue, anxiety issue that this person is having. But also just to be there to be a representative of God and to address things in a biblical way because, again, sometimes the parishioner doesn't realize that, oh, this does relate to what David did or this does relate to what Paul said or what John says in this gospel. And hopefully pastors will have some very good scripture that they can go to. Not that their entire counseling is going to be just about, you know, quoting scripture to, to somebody, but hopefully, you know, bring scripture into it in several places after they've listened well and know, yeah, this seems to be what this person is really bringing to me. Again, sometimes parishioners will come in and counselees will come in and say, well, this is my presenting problem, when really they're just testing the pastor to see if he's listening well enough, and then the real problem comes out 30 or 40 minutes or maybe in the next session uh, what they really wanted to talk about. They have to build some level of trust with their pastor, with their counselor, uh, to feel like they can share what's really burdening them on their heart. So so how would a Christian, uh, you talked before about the importance of individual confession and absolution. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that relate with pastoral care and pastoral counseling? Well, yeah, it's a part of that. Um, I don't know if we had 
we have them read the Kaler book now, Walter Kaler's book, uh, that I don't think we had access to when, when you were in school. Uh, but it's a very good book on the distinguishing between, uh, well, the use of, of uh, uh, individual confession absolution and distinguishing that from pastoral counseling. Uh, you can actually get copies of it through Concordia Seminary Press. And if you haven't read it as pastors, I encourage you to, to look at it. He does a good job... Um, Again, really showing how important individual confession and absolution is in the Lutheran writings and how important it was to Luther, and then how it can be used in pastoral counseling situations, um, primarily because, again, a lot of people come in and just go, I, I know I've, I'm supposed to feel forgiven, but I just don't feel forgiven when I hear it on Sunday morning in the worship service. I don't feel forgiven although a lot of people feel very forgiven when they receive the Lord's Supper. But for some people, if they have a particularly burdened conscience, actually having the pastor lay his hands on their head and say, by the stead and, in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When that happens individually and personally, it has a bigger emotional impact on many people. Another time when that might be really helpful is for parents who spend a lot mm. of time uh, in the pew. Yeah. Uh, as the congregation is confessing their sins, they're, they're making sure that their children are confessing their <laughs> sins and don't have a time to, to stop and remember, oh, yeah, this is my yeah. confession and my absolution, my forgiveness, too. Uh, and so that is another time when that might be really helpful. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. Yeah. What can what can somebody or what what should somebody um, tell their pastor? What what's helpful for a pastor to know uh, in order to to help this person through whatever they're dealing with? Well, I, what their spiritual issues are, what their relationship with God feels like to them. Uh, we could get into the whole left brain, right brain sort of <laughs> stuff, where the left brain is all the kind of logic things that are going on with us, and our theology tends to kind of stay on a left brain side, mm -hmm. but the right brain is kind of the emotional, the big picture sort of ideas, the artistic things, and God created both sides of the brain. So he, he created us a thinking creature, he created us an emotional creature, and Again, we've had emotions even before the fall, but then we've had emotions since the fall that are emotions we struggle with. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve first felt shame when they fell in the garden, and then they felt guilt. And we have been struggling with guilt and sadness and anxiety and depression and all those sorts of things. Despair, as Luther says in the uh, small catechism. Um, and so we're struggling with all those things. We should go and talk about them with our pastor. We should talk about them with other Christians. It shouldn't all be just the pastor's role. Uh, maybe many congregations have Stephen's ministry mm -hmm. or other people that are identified as lay helpers, lay caregivers that the pastor can say, would you go and meet with this person twice a month uh, to help them through their uh, grief because their, their husband died you know, a few months ago and they feel alone and don't have somebody to talk to. Um, it's... We, we Americans tend to be too individualistic and think that we can handle things all on our own, uh, and that's the best way to do it. That's not the way the church is designed. We are a body of Christ, and the fingers need the hand, and the hand needs the elbow, and the elbow needs the shoulder, and all of us need each other in this, and so we should be able and willing to share our concerns just like the the— 
disciples shared their concerns with Jesus, and he comforted them, and he admonished them in times when they needed to be have the law brought to them and so forth. So. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're, we're all out of time. Uh-huh. I know. We could talk about this for so long. Uh, but, but uh, Dr. Morris, it's been really great having you in studio. Thank you very much. Nice um, to meet you, Sarah. Yes, absolutely. And, and uh, Pastor Ill. Hey, Thanks it's always fun to get to be here. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Peter Hill, sitting and, in for Andy Bates. And uh, we'll have more Coffee Hour coming up the rest of this week with some more guest hosts. Stay tuned. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO, the listener-supported broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO radio, visit kfuo.org or text KFUO to 41444. KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu